At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Sports Garden Network Podcast. Your source for sports entertainment. Incredible sports wagering intelligence. Welcome, sports fans. This is Wagering Week. I'm Tom Barton. That's right. We are Wagering Week. Facebook and Twitter is how you get in touch with us, and I want to hear from you. It is Sports Garden, G-A-R-T-E-N, hashtag S-G-N, 855-4-G-A-R-T-E-N, iTunes, iHeartRadio, any of our fine syndicated affiliates. That is where you can hear us. We have a huge show for you today. Look, we are getting close. We're getting close to the end in the Stanley Cup Finals. We're getting close to the end to naming an NBA champion. We're going to look at both of those series today, get real into it from a betting perspective, look at some possible prop plays, look at some totals, look at some series prices. We're going to dive into that real big and real deep. We also have a little bit of Major League Baseball. If we have time, I want to get to a little baseball conversation as well because, look, people are starting to stabilize Major League Baseball. And when I say stabilize, you're starting to get into a position where it's no longer the conversation of, well, it's early, right? When I'm talking about players or teams, well, it's early. Well, it's early only lasts for so long. Or, hey, you know what? Uh, it's a quick early start. Or it's a bad... No, no, no. doesn't matter. Now these teams are sort of what they are. So we'll get into that conversation as well. But look, first on the menu obviously, is the NBA Finals. The NBA Finals is set, depending on when you're listening to this. Maybe Game 1 has been played, but look, the NBA Finals have been set. The Boston Celtics, in a grueling series, a really, really good series by the Miami Heat. They do get by. Jason Tatum has established himself as that guy. I mean, he really has. The Celtics, just their team dynamic was really the way to go here. And it is interesting that the Boston Celtics are getting kind of disrespected by people that are not familiar with the NBA. They're getting a little disrespected, maybe where they ended off, maybe where we look at them and what we thought they'd be. But really, over the last three months of the season or so, they were the best team in the East, if not the second best team in the East. I I mean, you can't always look at an NBA season in the totality. And I talk about this all the time. From a betting perspective, more than anything else, You can't turn around and look at the NBA season and care what teams do early on in the season. They're growing. And this Celtics team will tell you that. Look, I always look at the NBA as basically three different types of seasons. You have season one, which is before Christmas Day. Then you have season two after Christmas Day to the end of the year. And then you have the playoffs. 
But you can look at it almost into four portions before Christmas Day, from Christmas Day until basically the playoff push, the playoff push, and then the playoffs. And the Boston Celtics, no matter what metric you're really looking at, the Boston Celtics, sure, they started poorly before Christmas Day. After that, they started to get better. But once you went into that playoff push mode, they were one of the best teams in the league. And overall, they had the best defense in the league. They had Defensive Player of the Year. They had young stars like Tatum and Brown that are growing before our eyes. Williams and Smart defensively are fantastic. This Celtics team may have taken seven games to put away the Heat and advance to the finals, but I don't think that hurts them in the mind of the sports better. Remember, there are a lot of older sports bettors that are going to just throw money on the Celtics just because they're the Celtics. I mean, they're, they're just going to do that. A lot of people are going to just bet against the Warriors just because they're betting against the Warriors. So we have to look at that when we start to talk about odds in a moment. You look at the Golden State Warriors. Before the season, I thought Golden State would be in this position. I thought they'd win it all. Before the playoffs began, I told you Golden State was going to go out there and they were going to win it all. They are just deep and motivated now. One of the motivation factors is really something that sports bettors don't look at. And I, I like to dive into it. And it is the idea that, look, these guys are all back. They're all healthy. Uh, you watched this year earlier in a, a sports betting controversial kind of situation where Draymond Green just wanted to dress so him and Clay and Steph could be on the court at the same time. And he did. Why? Because they do feel that kind of bonding. They feel that way. Golden State. They've been the betting favorite to win it all for a while now, right? I mean, they, they really have. They've been the betting favorite to win it all for months now. It still doesn't mean that there can't be value on taking them to bet at all. I mean, that's what we're looking at. And you're talking about the Celtics. Look, the Celtics are sitting back. They can have their 18th championship. That's amazing. You look at the Warriors. They're constantly always here for a new generation of people and a new generation of kids. They think the Warriors are... This dynamic franchise that's always been around. No, it's basically new. So what we have here is for the series, what you're looking at, the Warriors are about minus 160 or so. The Celtics are getting back about 130, 140. Again, you can shop different places and get different lines. If you like the Celtics, I suggest waiting until after game one. Game one, I know the spread's only three and a half. Uh, I, I think if you like the Celtics and the Celtics win, you're not going to lose that. But look, they're plus 130, plus 140 now. If they win game one, I still think they're going to be about even money. But if they lose game one, I think you can get 150 or 160 back. And going into Golden State after the seven-game series that they just had, I think it's tough to win game one. I'm not counting the Celtics out for the series, but from a betting perspective— I would suggest if you like the Celtics, you, you jump on them after game one. For the Warriors, you jump on them now. Because if they go out there and they win one, game one, 160 is going to jump up to 180, 185. Okay? So you want to jump on the Warriors before that. Game one is Thursday night, June 2nd, 9 p.m. Game two, you got to wait all the way to Sunday. So there is the break. Look, a lot of people are pointing on the aspect that the Boston Celtics are in a position where, well, they're a little tired. They went through a grueling seven-game series. They did. They had a couple of days off. But this is why I'm saying wait for game one, right? Wait on, on the game one situation because I think it's difficult for Golden State to lose at home in this spot. I mean, I really, I do. I think Boston traveling across country after a seven-game series, I think it's tough. 
but they do have Friday and Saturday then to recover before Sunday staying in Golden State, and they'll stay in Golden State. I think they have a much better chance at stealing Game 2 than Game 1. I'm not saying they can't steal Game 1. Uh, game 3 will be Wednesday, back at Boston. Game 4 will be Friday, back at Boston. Then Game 5, 6, 7, if needed, Monday, June 13th, Thursday, June 16th, Sunday, June 19th. Now, I always get on the schedule makers, and I look here and I go, okay, so you have a Thursday game. They don't really have much choice. I, I would have pushed it to Friday, but okay. You have the Thursday game, and then you want the Sunday premier slot. You got that, June 5th. Then you're going Wednesday, Friday, missing the entire weekend, going Monday, Thursday, and then finally Game 7 will be on Sunday. I like Game 7 on Sunday, and I like Game 2 on Sunday. I don't like the idea that they don't play Saturday or Sunday for a game what would be game four and five. You go Friday, Monday, instead of, uh, say, Saturday, Tuesday? Or say Thursday, Saturday? Thursday, Sunday? I, I, I don't understand. That, to me, I mean, it throws me off. And at Boston, you only have one day break, right? They're going to play Wednesday, have off Thursday, come back again on Friday. I, I don't understand the schedule. I, I don't. And I get on the schedule makers quite often, but I get on them just because I think that there is just such obvious and clear fixes. You have the NBA Finals. You have the NBA Finals. Not one NBA Finals game, guys, will be played on a Saturday. Not one. You're trying to grow the sport. Okay? You're trying to grow the sport. Thursday, 9 p.m. How many... Look, I have a four-year-old and an eight-and-a-half-year-old, okay? And he loves to say the eight-and-a-half, right? A four-year-old and an eight-and-a-half-year-old. But how many kids, even at 13, are staying up until midnight during a school week? Midnight. They're not. There's not a lot of them, right? So Thursday's a school night. Wednesday's a school night. Monday's a school night. Thursday's a school night. Four of the seven games are going to be on a school night. Four of the seven games, 9 p.m. Eastern time. It doesn't make any sense to me. Well, that that's my rant. <laughs> I mean, it just doesn't. How do you not play on a Saturday night? How do you not play on a Saturday night? I get the Sunday. The Sunday, 8 p.m. Uh, that's fine. And you get one Friday night. Okay, that works. Uh, but four, four of the games are just, you just can't, you, you can't watch them. You can't watch them if you're a kid. Even as an adult. Look, I'll be honest with you. I have worked the overnights. I worked the overnights when I worked at ABC for 11 years, okay? Um, I've always had bartending jobs. I, I, I had waitering jobs when I was younger. So in my younger days, I was always a, a night owl. Now I still do shows in Vegas. I still I, Look, I get four or five hours of sleep. But there are times where it's difficult for me to stay up until 1 o'clock in the morning on a weekday. There are times. I got a four-year-old. She's up at, you know, 6.30, 7 a.m. So... It's not only just for the kids. I just think it's bad. Why do you not have a Saturday game? Why do you not have a Saturday? I, I get you got to put a game or two on the week. Why do you not have a Saturday game? Crazy. Absolutely crazy. All right, let's go into the game itself. First off, there are some cool news and notes. Take them for what they are. They're news and notes, not to bet on, but they are news and notes. Since Steve Kerr took over Golden State in the 2014-2015 season, the Celtics actually have an NBA winning record against them at 9-7. and seven. They are the only team that has a winning record against Steve Kerr at 9-7. and seven. Now, players change, coaches change, but an interesting little fact. 
right? Uh, this year, they went 1-1. One and one. Golden State won 111 to 107 in Boston. That was before Boston hit their stride. That was about mid-December. Again, that was pre-Christmas, okay? That was also before Klay Thompson returned. So, uh, you know, you can look at that from both ways. You can look at that from both kind of corners. Uh, the Celtics then went out there and absolutely crushed this team in uh, Golden State, 110-88 in March. Steph Curry still, you know, look, he went off for 30 in December. He had, uh, I mean, three points. Three points. Now, you could say he injured his foot. It was a Marcus Smart diving for a ball, and there was a controversy, and there was a problem. And, okay, look, I want to give you what what you have, right? I want to give you what, what we're talking about. Now, the Warriors... We talked about it. The Warriors are getting off to good hot starts. The three and a half point favorites in game one. They have won all three game ones. The Celtics are one and two. They are getting off to slow starts. The Golden State Warriors are the number one offensive rating in the playoffs, uh, which we all thought that they would be. We thought, who cares about the regular season? They will absolutely just go off in the playoffs. And they are the number one team. They have 114, almost 115 points per game. They are fantastic. You know what they're going to do when you have the Splash Brothers and now the Splash Trio with Jordan Poole. This is the team that you're going to get. But the Warriors also were a really good defensive team during the year. Now, I will tell you what. They have not looked great defensively over the postseason. They are allowing 109 points per game. That is not great. So somehow or another, the Warriors offensively have taken a step up. Defensively, they've taken a step back. And you go, well, why is this? Well, look, they weren't healthy. So now all of a sudden you have this Warriors team begging teams, hey, try to keep up. Try to keep up with the Splash Brothers. Try to keep up with us. Try to keep up with us running and going. Yeah, Steph Curry's got 26 points per game in the playoffs. Um, Clay Thompson's got just about 20. Jordan Poole has just about 18. So you have, even Andrew Wiggins got 15. So you have that, Steph Curry's leading it all. Steph Curry is just doing his thing. And then whoever decides to step up that night is going to be the secondary guy. Okay, that has led to Golden State looking effective, but again, their defense leads to a lot of covers. They're only 9-7 and seven against the spread this postseason. They've been underdogs twice, and the uh, over-under, by the way, if it 10 of 16. Boston, let's talk about Boston. They were, like I said, I say pre-December, pre-Christmas. Well, they were under 500 pre-Christmas. Then they went nuts. They went absolutely crazy. But they Their defense was fantastic. Boston had the number one, number two defensive rating I still think they were the best defense in the league, okay? Because, again, I'm not counting that first couple of months. They allow the second-fewest points per game. They had the best point differential in the postseason. They also have the number two defensive rating in the postseason. So their defense has maintained. It's maintained. We know that the offense can get stagnant at times. It happened during the regular season. Here in the postseason, it's not necessarily getting stagnant. They're looking for consistency. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown need to show up in the fourth quarter. They've had pretty decent runs here and there, but they just can't show up all the time. There's a quarter where both of them just go missing, but look, they're here. So they're here with the energy that we know. They ranked eighth in points per game over the postseason with only 107. That's not good. That's not good at all. But again, they were playing pretty decent defensive teams. The Bucs were a top 10 team. Now, you could say the Bucs didn't have Middleton offensively, sure. 
But defense, no, they, they, they were able to go far. Miami knows how to play defense in the playoffs. We talked about that many times. And it's not just a one-person team here. Tatum obviously is the guy, okay? But Brown is got about 23 points per game. Tatum's at about 27. Marcus Smart has about 16. Al Horford, 12. Grant Williams, 10. So you look at this and you keep going, yeah, look, you look at, and, and you can kind of be beaten on many different angles. It's going to be Curry and who else for the Warriors? For the Celtics, it's going to be basically Tatum leading the way, but anybody else can can hurt you as well. Anybody else. Uh, you start to look at what the Celtics have done. Well, they're, they've been underdogs quite a few times, okay? They've been underdogs only twice, but depending on the book, it could have been three or four times. The under has hit 10 of 18, but the Celtics are 12 and 6 against the spread in their 18 postseason games. So they're getting the job done. They're covering. This is what's going on. Jason Tatum is leading the team, and teams are not able to handle the defense. And if you get the defense of the Celtics, and then all of a sudden Tatum is able to kind of put a team on his shoulders if he's able to, well, here we go. The road is something I mentioned early on. Boston 7-2 and two on the road. 7-2 and two on the road. That is fantastic. They are also the best three-point defense in the league. So, guys, when we're breaking this series down and you start to take a look and you say, you know, who do I think is going to do what? I think it's really easy to say the Golden State Warriors should win this. I think they win game one probably the Celtics could steal game two. Let's just say they get out one and one. If they get out 2-0, I don't know if they can come back. But let's just say it's one and one. You know, you, you get into three and four. Can the Warriors steal one? Hey, they proved that this year. I think that we have another long series. I do. It could very potentially go seven. And as much as I like Boston, and as good as they've looked in the postseason here, I don't think that the Boston Celtics could go into Golden State winning game seven. I don't know if Golden State can go into Boston in a game six in that atmosphere and win. So if you like, you know, the Golden State Warriors, I I, I think you want them to, I think you, you really got to go, look, we're, we're putting it away early, you know, in five games, at home in five, let them steal one, or, or this is going seven. If you like Boston, you take your shot. I'll take our shot that we could steal one at home and we're going to win this thing in six or seven. I mean, both of these teams have that ability to push this to seven games. I'm looking at this from a perspective of, you know, I have to say that the Warriors are the better team. I like Boston. I like their moxie. I usually go with a defensive team. I usually like defense first and defense leading the way. But I think we have to be real with ourselves. And being real with ourselves will tell you that the Golden State Warriors are the better team. They can just attack you from many different ways. Steph Curry right now is the best player in the league. He's on fire right now. The guy looks unstoppable. So it's the defense of Boston. How much do I believe in them? Look, I believe in the defense of Boston. I do. And I want Boston to win. I'm telling you right now from a rooting perspective, I am on Boston to win. I want them to win. But I think it's going to be a tough task. I think it's going to be a tough task because I don't know if they could steal a game in Golden State. And I don't know if come game seven, they're going to be able to, a young team, go into a place where it's going to be hostile territory. Golden State dominates there all the time. Golden State has all this, 
just drive in them. Not that Boston doesn't, but all the drive in them. They have the experience. I think if it gets into a long series, it's going to be increasingly hard for Boston to win a Game 7 in Golden State. And I think they're going to have to. I don't think Boston's winning this in 4 or 5, right? I don't even think Boston's winning this in 6. If Boston wins this, it's going to be in 7. They're going to have to steal a game in Golden State in the first two. They're going to have to hold court at home. I mean, that's what we're looking at. I just don't know if I could bring myself to that. So, look, I don't love laying the 160 with the Warriors. I don't love it, but it's the best bet for me. I think a lot of people are going to jump on Boston because of the name Boston. I think a lot of people are going to jump on Boston because defense wins championships. I think a lot of people are going to jump on Boston because you're getting plus 130, 140 back. I think so. I think a lot of people are going to jump on Boston. For me, I almost have to jump on the Warriors. For As far as prop plays goes, uh, I like Jason Tatum over for rebounds pretty much for the entire series. He keeps getting six and a halfs and sevens put up there. And that was basically his average during the year. Uh, but look, they need him more, and he's going to be putting up seven and a half, eight, nine. I mean, he's he's going to get the rebounds. I like the assists by Marcus Smart. He should be getting five, five and a half, six. I like that. I do like uh, when you, you're starting to go deeper in. Wiggins should get pretty decent amount because I think that they're going to converge on Curry and probably try to stop Clay. Uh, Draymond Green should be pretty decent for a couple of prop plays, but overall, nothing jumps out. I do like the Tatum rebounds. So that's it. Look, I, it's not a series that I think that there's tremendous betting value on right now as the series goes on. I think that there will be betting value. I think there's going to be a lot of spots for us to grab betting value as the series goes on. I think that there's going to be a lot of spots to take the over-under as well. But right now, where it stands, the Warriors are my pick. I don't love laying the 160, but you can't get me to take Boston. It's not enticing enough at plus 130. It's just not. It's not enticing enough. But I'll take a shot with them, like I said early. I'll take a shot if they lose game one. Maybe if they lose game one and two, and you're getting more than two to one back. But where it stands before game one, I can't take that shot. I cannot do it. I have to sit back and say the Warriors are the better team. I hope the Celtics advance. I hope the Celtics win. I hope I'm celebrating a championship. I just don't think that's, that's possible right now, the way that I construct this series and watch the film. All right, let's take a quick timeout. Come on back. Lots more. We're going to turn it to the NHL after this on Wagering Week. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And now back to Wagering Week with Tom Barton. I'll bet you 20 bucks I can get you gambling before the end of the day. No way. I'll give you three to one odds. You're on. What are the odds? What are the odds? Okay, guys, what are the odds? We're going to go to NBA Finals MVP. 
Well, we talked about him at length, and I said that he is really just leading the team, and everybody else is coming in second, and that is Steph Curry. He leads the way, depending on where you're shopping, minus 110, minus 115. Jason Tatum comes in at plus 155. Jalen Brown is 9-1. to Klay Thompson is 9-1. to Jordan Poole, 18-1. to Marcus Smart, 12-1. to Draymond Green, 25-1. to Robert Williams, Grant Williams, if you like one of those, 150-1. to Andrew Wiggins, 25-1. to Al Horford, 40-1. to Derek White. Kevin Looney, Gary Payton, Moses Moody. Uh, you know, you look down the line, they're all about 200 to 1 or more. That is, what are the odds? Hey, look, you're not taking anybody 200 to 1 or more. You're not taking Horford. I mean, Wiggins is going to be a nice player, but you're not taking Wiggins. Draymond Green is tempting, but not at 25 to 1. I mean, this is Curry, Tatum, Brown, Thompson, Poole. That, that's what this is. That's what this series is. Curry, Tatum, Brown, Thompson, Poole. And if you followed along, Poole, since Thompson's come back, has kind of taken a little step back. So I, I, even at 18, I mean, 18 to 1 is pretty nice odds. But I'm going to lay off of that. Clay Thompson, 9 to 1 odds. I'm going to lay off of that. Look, they want, you have to remember that we're, I say this all the time, we're not going on statistics here, right? We're not going on pure stats. This is a voted-on award. Clay is a good story. Clay might carry them in one game. Clay might be able to do really good things for one or two, even two games. But he's not going to upstage Steph. They want to give it to Steph. They want to build Steph up. And Steph has been the guy. I mean, Steph, we, we saw. Look, Steph has got about 27 points per game in the playoffs. Everybody else is not even at 20. So Steph, being the prevailing favorite here. That makes a lot of sense. Then you got Tatum and Brown. Look, it's the same thing with Boston. You can say that everybody wants to give it to Tatum. And you got, look, you have something to stand on there. Plus 155. I'd rather just take Boston for the series, right? I mean, I really would because I can see Jalen Brown winning this. Is 9-1 to enough to make me get in on Jalen Brown and the Jalen Brown market? No, it's not. It's not. It's not enough to make me jump and down, up and down on this Jalen Brown market. So I don't love the MVP here. If I'm going to take anything, I mean, Steph is the prevailing favorite. He should be. Steph makes sense. I like Steph a lot more than I like Tatum. Only because, well, first of all, I think the Warriors are going to win. But also because I can see Brown stepping up. I can see Marcus Smart stepping up at 12-1. to 1. I can see one of them kind of garnering some MVP consideration. If the Warriors win... As good as Clay is, as good as Poole is, as good as Draymond Green is, it's going to be Curry. I mean, it's going to be Steph. So, I don't know. I, I look at this in a, a, a light of if you are going to take the MVP, unfortunately, you're going to have to lay a little bit of money. But but Steph is the best. He's the best option out there. I don't think that there, there's much argument. I'd be taking a shot at Steph if I was taking a shot at anything. All right, let's move over to the NHL now. And we have one game in the books. That game was unbelievable, <laughs> okay? Uh, Colorado outscored Edmonton 8-6 to six to win game one. They come into game two as a 180 home favorite. Big-time number. They have adjusted the total to seven. Now, here's the thing. Before we break into the series itself, I want to talk about the total because, by the way, it's seven and it's minus 130. 
I always sit back and I have a conversation um, with people that are in the know. My my friends are hockey fans, other sports betters, my co-hosts that are on my Fox show, my co-host at SGN, guys that I've talked to. And, you know, you make offhanded comments sometimes and through texting and just comments and just kind of dudes hanging out. You make an offhanded comment and you go back and you think about it. And you think about it from a radio perspective of, wow, how can I relate this to, to people out there? And you think about it because, wait a minute, hold on a second. It, it, let, let's go back and revisit that comment. So when this series opened up, I said, you know, I kind of like the overs in almost every game. I think that Edmonton's defense is much better than people give them credit for. But the Avs offense is great. And I think that both teams' mentality, you'll hear me talking about this a lot. I do it a lot in football. Um, the both teams' mentality is something that you have to concentrate on. The Edmonton Oilers are sitting here, and they're saying, you want to get into 8-6 games, I think we're going to win more 8-6 games than you. You want to you want to get into high scoring, fast speed, let's go, let's take a million shots. I think we're going to win those games. That's how Edmonton approaches this. Colorado approaches it very similarly. They're saying, okay, I think, I think we're going to win those 8-6 games. You want to get into high scoring? You want to get into fast pace? You want to get into all craziness? We're going to be better than you. So both of these teams are coming in with massive scoring mentality of let's just go, 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 go. Let's let let's just play offense, 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 and let's see who comes out on top. Now, game one, uh, the abs came out on top. But I'll tell you what, two early goals, and then all of a sudden Edmonton looked fantastic. That's what you expect. I mean, that's, that's exactly what we expected from this kind of situation and this kind of team. This is what you expected from the series. What can the odds makers do, though, to kind of combat that ridiculous spread? And that the number, well, the ridiculous total, I should say. And the number is, is exceedingly ridiculous. It was six and a half for game one. It went over with ease. They boosted up to seven minus 130. So going back to the comment that I made, after game one, I turned around to quite a few people and, and I said, what can they make this series? Nine? I, I mean, what what will make me take the under? That's what I'm asking. Not what are you think? I thought it was going to be seven. I said it was going to be seven. I kind of like the over for seven. I mean, I knew it was going to be seven. And it'll probably be about seven for the rest of the series. Because eight's unheard of, right? But what is a number go out there and get the general public to take an under in this series. Because that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to attract that under money. What's that number? Is it nine? Because at nine, I I think I got to take a shot at the under. At eight? Is it eight? At seven, I'm not taking that under. No way. No way am I taking an under. And it might go under, but it's not alluring enough to me. At seven to go out there and take a shot. It's not alluring enough to go take a seven. At seven and a half, still not there. At eight, all right, well, I need nine goals to lose. I think an eight is the number, but I really don't know if that's high enough. I think eight for me is the number to make me go under. Meaning, I will not, I'm not telling you I'm going to bet overs. I'm not telling you I'm betting the overs here, guys. What I'm saying to you is that in order for me to go under, what is the number? I can see myself, if you put up an eight line, I might be tempted to go under. But I don't know if the general public will. I think you got to put up a nine line. And the, and the books won't do it, okay? They, they, I don't think we see, 
I don't even know if we see a seven and a half in this series. Okay. I'm not sure we even see a seven and a half, but we're not going to see an eight or an eight and a half or a nine. We're not going to see it. So it's hypothetical, but it just kind of gives you the idea of what number do they need to put up to get you to bet the under. Not to not to go on the I'm not saying that it's going to be an over, but to bet the under. It's an interesting situation. You know, we had 14 goals. It's tied for the second most in playoff game ever. One of, uh, that, that, that's game one. I mean, the over hit uh, 24-40 <laughs> into the game. Unbelievable, right? You could get in-game. There was, for game one, there was an in-game after two periods going into the third of 13 and a half, and it went over. There was an in-game. Now, I will say this. Look, the the game ones from Edmonton have been ridiculous. Game one against Calgary, it was a 9-6 final. They lost. Game one, an 8-6 final against Colorado. They lost. McKinnon had 10 shot attempts. But just four shots on goal, so you, you lost that prop play. McDavid was fantastic again, as we know. And McDavid now has 29 points in only 13 playoff games. He would have led the league in the following playoff scoring. Led pl- all playoff scoring. 2006, 2007, 2008, 2011, 12, 13, 14, 15, 17, 19. Going back even further, 2004, 2003, 2002, 2001, 2000, 99, 98, 97, 95. How ridiculous is that? How ridiculous is that? So you have uh, Gino and Kutch, you know, kind of the only two that, that would have done that. McDavid has been unbelievable. So how do, you, how do you go about a prop play and not just assume he's going to get a, a point and now they moved it to a point and a half? Do they move it to two points? Well, they didn't do it for game one or two. For game three, back at home, do they move the over-under for him to two, two and a half points? I mean, is this what we're talking about? Is this the new world that we're in? The ridiculous Connor McDavid world. Because I, I think you almost have to. I think you almost have to do that. Total has gone over in five of Edmonton's last six games. Total has gone over in all uh, four of Colorado's last five games. It's just over, 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 over. It's the second most goals. I told you guys, you know, Edmonton, Chicago, 1985. Edmonton, Chicago, 1985. Yeah, 15 and 14. Game four and game five. Edmonton, Chicago, by the way, 1985, 13. Edmonton, Minnesota, 1984, 13. Edmonton has been involved in the highest scoring conference finals games in all five. But game one and two, uh, those Chicago, Edmonton, game four and five, 29 goals scored between those. Can, Can game two in Colorado threaten that? Can game two go near that? I don't know. I, I I don't know. Now let's let's take a quick peek at how this uh, kind of has unfolded here, because we always go back and we talk about how the series sort of was supposed to be lining up. I don't know if many Edmonton fans are down after game one. I don't know that they should be down after game one, because look. If you told me that you're going to play the Avs at any point in the season, any point in Edmonton season, okay, in the conference finals, you're going to take on the Avalanche in Colorado. You're going to lose that game, but score six goals. 
I think Edmonton fans are going to go, okay, this is going to be our kind of series. This is going to be our type of series. We're going to go out there. We're going to skate fast. We're going to rely on Leon. We're going to rely on, on McDavid. And we're going to go, go to war. I mean, that is really a good situation for the Oilers. They want this. They like this. This is what they're talking about. You know, they can go. That, however you want to look at it, they prove that they can go toe-to-toe. Right? I mean, that's what they proved. Even in a loss, they proved they can go toe-to-toe with this team. And they did it on the road. Right? So, if they're doing it on the road and that you can go toe-to-toe, you're going, okay, we have a shot. Right? We, we, we have a shot here. We have a look. That's important. Massively important for their mindset. If this is going to be a scoring series, you want that. I don't know if anybody really went out there and thought, okay, you know, I think that they're going to win. I don't know if they could win game one in in Colorado. I, I, you know, okay, that's fine. But I certainly do think that there's some money to be made with Edmonton as we move along in the series. As far as prop plays go, look, I mean, j- just take McDavid every game. He's going to get some points, but I also like his shots on goal. His shots on goal, by the way, have been sitting there at about three, three and a half, maybe a four. I love his shots on goal. That's something I, I really do. I really, really do like. Um, I mentioned earlier that McKinnon had 10 shots on goal, uh, 10 chances, but only four official shots on goal. I like him for the rest of the series. Uh, for the rest of the series, give me over, 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 over. He's going to get more shots on goal. It's not going to continue to be the struggle. He's getting the open looks. He's getting the shots. He's getting the the, the uh, opportunities. They will eventually bounce in. All right, how about the other series? Rangers pick up a dominating Game 1 win in Tampa Bay. It was Andre Vasilevsky who has been the best goalie in the league for three years running against the new young Buck and Igor and all of a sudden, you go under, under, under. That's all anybody was looking at. Under five and a half. Under five. This is going to be an under series. Number two defense in the Rangers. Vasilevsky's one of the best goalie performers that we've seen in the playoffs, maybe ever. This is going to be unbelievable. You weren't going to see 14 goals in this one. No way. Well, the Rangers came out, and they scored and scored it well. And this was this was an over right away. It was one nothing quickly. 1-1. 2-1. Boom. 2-2. 40 seconds later, it was 2-2. 3-2, and then it just exploded. New York was going to be a tough opponent here. And I told you guys I like the Rangers to win and go to the Cup, and nobody really uh, believed me. People laughed at me. Look, I, I think that they have what it takes. Look, they have the goalie. They certainly have the defense. And it was, can they get some sp- some scoring going? Can they get some something working? They beat Tampa. Four of five times going into game one. They outscored Tampa 17 to 13 going into game one, and they were plus 140. I mean, that is the kind of dream that you look for as a sports better. You love that. You love to look at that. That makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense to go out there and you take the blue shirts. The Rangers now steal game one. Yeah, you know, look, going into game two. I don't think you can take the Rangers here. I think that Tampa Bay kind of probably holds court, but we know how dangerous New York can be heading back home. And right now, the Rangers are just playing better. They are just playing better. 
I do think we're probably going to get more of a, a goalie, elite goalie type of series. I don't think we're going to see many overs in this series. The over for game two is set at five and a half yet again. And I'm not going over there. You look like, uh, you know, you look at Igor and you're going, sure, he had some struggles against Pittsburgh. Uh, but 1.72 goals against, 949 save percentage. Uh, just unbelievable. Vasilevsky stopped 151 of 154 shots in round two. He allowed three goals across four second-round games. <laughs> I mean, you know, you, you have to assume that unders are coming. You have to just uh, just put it in your head that some unders are coming. One of the things that I think we need to really highlight in this series and something that that as the series goes on is going to be bigger and more important as we continue to move on. Um, the lightning penalty kill has been really good, but the Rangers power play was 13 of 40 coming into the series. That was the best unit after the avalanche. So while the lightning can kill some penalties, the Rangers are scoring at will on penalties. Again, Vasilevsky's in goal. I just told you what was going on, right? I mean, Vasilevsky is the guy. But what Vasilevsky and this Tampa Bay defense has masked was Tampa Bay's lack of scoring. 13 goals in the second round. 13 goals is not going to get it done. And by the way, four came on a power play. Three came empty net. Right? I, I, that, so, I don't want to say that Tampa Bay's defense is bad, but they're going up against the number two defense in the league. I'm sorry, Tampa Bay's offense is bad. They're going, this offense, this offense that is clearly struggling, okay? I, I know we have 13 goals. Three went in on empty net. So, you got 10 goals. Four came on a power. They have they have six goal. They had six goals in the second round. Six goals at even strength. I know you don't have Braden Point. I get it, but you look at this team and you go, Vasilevsky and the defense is is going up and, and kind of masking the problems because offensively they're going up against Adam Fox in the number two defense. They are going up against a, an MVP candidate and the best goalie in the league right now, who's really really trying to pl- prove a point. They have set the tone where, hey, you know what? We are the we are the kings. You got to knock us off our perch. We're sitting here, and you you got to go out there and beat us. You have to go out there and knock us down. Well, you did it in game one. The Rangers did everything they needed in game one to emotionally and mentally take that series and say, yeah, no, 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 we are here. We do have the better defense, and they do. We have the better goalie. Uh, that's arguable in the playoffs, but in game one, it certainly looked good. And they feel like they have enough scoring. And against a struggling Tampa offense, that is there. What I ask people to do in sports betting is always go back the series before. Go back before the playoffs began. Were you terrified of Tampa Bay? No, you said, look, they're veteran grit. They got Vasilevsky, but they had holes. They had problems. And those holes and those problems were out there in round two. Panthers just couldn't do anything because they couldn't get a, a power play goal. I mean, they're the worst team in the playoffs in the power play. But they're they're masking offensive problems because Vasilevsky stood on his head. Well, it was going to come to an end. And it came to an end in game one. Game two, look, I am not going to bet on Tampa Bay, but I'm not going to bet against them in game two. But for the series, I think the Rangers probably take this series, guys. I thought that before time. I told everybody take the plus 155. I had the Rangers going to the cup 
before we began all this. I said it was going to be Florida or the Rangers. Okay? So I'm still on the Rangers. I've been on the Rangers. I will still continue to bet on the Rangers. As far as prop play goes, guys, I don't like any of it. I think that there's going to be lower scoring. If there's anything that we're looking for, especially going back to the Garden, but if there's anything that I'm looking for overall in this series, I'm thinking that we're going to get a, quite a few unders and a, quite a few unders real quick here. Now, that is into the future, though. Now, let's go back to the future. We're sending you back to the future. Okay, all right. Bet, bet to, to the, the future. future. Okay, guys, let's go bet to the future. And I mentioned the Oilers and Avalanche. I mentioned the series after game one. Well, the series odds have moved and moved in a huge way to the Avalanche. Avalanche are now minus 450. If you like the Oilers getting back plus 350, that is bet to the future. Hey, you know, look, I I think if you like the, the Oilers, man, that game one is not disappointing. <laughs> I don't think that's a disappointing loss if you like them. Uh, to me, that's an encouraging loss if you like them. If you're that team to go out there uh, and and put up six and you go toe-to-toe and you do it in Colorado, you do it in the fashion that they did, I think you got to like them. I, I'll tell you what, even if they lose game two, I think you kind of got to like them, right? I think you got to kind of take them at this number, plus 350. They lose to game two. They're going to be plus 500 and change. Going back to Edmonton? Ooh, I don't know. I'm, t- I'm a little tempted, guys. I'm a little tempted. Hey, let me know if you guys are. Sports Garden, G-A-R-T-E-N, over um, at Facebook and, and Twitter. Oh, let me know. All right. Let's move on to a little bit of Major League Baseball. I just want to kind of take a just a quick glance at the standings, quick glance at teams that I think we're going to have some betting I don't want to say overall value, but we're going to have some betting luck with um, when we're talking about the luck with the Lions because I do think the Lions have not caught up for a certain few teams. Um, we know that the Yankees are on top. The, look, they'll always be over bet. The Blue Jays are a team that people are down on the Blue Jays and they're, they're 9, 10 games over 500. So I'm not. Tampa Bay, same kind of thing. Everyone's down on Boston. Boston stinks. Boston's terrible. They're just under 500. They're going to be okay. A team that I do believe we're going to start getting a little bit of value when we're sitting back and talking about uh, might be the Baltimore Orioles. Look, they brought up some youngsters. They're going to continue to bring up some youngsters. I know they play in a really, really tough division. But their numbers, look, they're 5-5 five and five over the last 10, 22-30 uh, and 30 overall. At home, they're a game over 500. And they are consistently massive underdogs. I mean massive underdogs. Even at home... Even against bad teams, uh, just this week, I mean, the Baltimore Orioles are sitting back, and you look at what Baltimore's been doing, they're not garbage. I mean, look, they faced off against Seattle at home this week, and they're getting plus 150 back. Seattle's not a great team. I mean, are, are we kidding? Seattle's not a great team. How about Boston? They beat Boston 10 nothing. They split the series against Boston, uh, the, the four-game series. They... Well, it's actually, it was a five-game series. They won three of five against them. Against the Yankees, they won one of two. Against the Rays, they won two of three. So even up against the bad teams, they're still winning one, two games a series. They're keeping their head above water. I think Baltimore can be sneaky if you're getting those big values. Plus 150 at home against Seattle was ridiculous. Against Boston, they're plus money every game. They won that. Against the Rays, plus big money every game. 
plus 140, plus 150, plus 160, every game. So I think you can make some money on Baltimore moving forward. Minnesota, nah, I'm not sure. Chicago, look, the, the weirdly, the market, they're two games under 500, and the market has not adjusted to the White Sox struggles. Now, the White Sox will be getting guys back. I know Eloy Jimenez is going to be a while, but Lance Lynn will eventually be back pretty quickly here. Uh, I know when they went up to Toronto this week, they had a couple of guys, Dylan Cease being one, that they weren't vaccinated. Kendall Graveman wasn't vaccinated, so they couldn't play in Toronto. Chicago is going to be a better team, but I think that the market is not really caring that they're two games under 500 right now. About 50 games into the schedule, they're they're certainly underperforming, but you can't really get any value on them. Cleveland's a team I'd be betting against. This Cleveland team is not as good as their record. This Cleveland team is hanging around 500. They will hit a wall eventually. This is not a talented enough team. Now, you you have to look at their bullpen and say, Karinacek will be back. All right, that helps them out a little bit. But overall, I think that Cleveland's playing above their head. Detroit's a team that I don't know. Look, I can't can't touch it. I just can't. They are, they were kind of a favorite of sports betters to go over their win total this year. They're 10 games under 500. Tolkelson looks lost. Now, they will get Riley Green back. They will get Mize back, who's coming back soon. Will Vest just came back. So they are getting some contribution. You can't expect Baez to bat, I mean, under 200 for the rest of the season. I just don't see the betting value there. Kansas City, meanwhile, I do. I think Kansas City's better than a 16-win team almost 50 games into the season. Okay, I think that Kansas City is a team that is going to win 70-plus games this year. So there's going to be a stretch of games coming where Kansas City kind of puts it together. Whit Merrifield has a long history of being an effective hitter. He looks lost out there. So Whit Merrifield's going to come around. I think uh, Bobby Witt is better than what he's shown. I think Kansas City's a team that you might be able to bet on. Houston, the Angels, no. Texas is playing much better than I thought. I still expect them to hit a wall, but I don't know if I'm necessarily betting against it because Seattle's just bad. And I called the Seattle thing. I called the Seattle thing. Seattle's still overrated, by the way. You can still make money on Seattle. I called that. And the Oakland A's are actually, look, Oakland's a worse team than Kansas City. Okay, and Oakland's a worse team than Baltimore, and they're within a game or two of each other. Oakland's going to hit a wall, and they're going to hit a wall real quick here, but they're not getting any value. I mean, they're somehow or another, they're 13 and 13 away, but there's no value. I mean, you're you're laying massive numbers against Oakland. So the market for us, for sports bettors, is just not there. Uh, Over in the National League, the the Mets are just rolling, scoring and scoring and scoring and scoring at will. They are just phenomenal offensively right now, and they need to be because they're missing Scherzer, they're missing DeGrom, and they needed to pick this up. I think we're going to have an opportunity, not right now, not when they're red hot, but they're gonna, there's going to be an opportunity in the next week or so to start betting against the Mets. Atlanta, under 500. They probably get to 500, but I wasn't too high on them. Philadelphia, I, I can't make sense of this. There's a lot of call right now for Joe Girardi's head in Philadelphia. There's a lot of weirdness going on. Aaron Nola is pitching lights out, then gets blown up in one inning. I know Bryce Harper's injury hurts them. Segura is being out. I'm not making excuses, but I expect the Philadelphia to be much better than this. Miami, still a team you can make money on. They still have a good starter going out there seemingly every day. Uh, they still have a decent bullpen. A lot of youngsters are still contributing. I think Miami could still make money on it. Washington, Washington is where it is. You can't make money on them because the market has said how horrible this team is, and they've played pretty poorly, so you can't make money on them. Milwaukee, 
I said that they would run away with this division. They have a small lead, but they've dealt with injuries. Woodruff is on the DL. Uh, Renfro's on the DL. Adamas is being banged up all year. I still think Milwaukee is a value team, even though they are going to be laying a lot of money. They're still a value team. And by the way, Freddie Peralta going down certainly hurts them. But Aaron Ashby is fantastic. He's a fantastic replacement. St. Louis is right be- uh, behind them. And if you have not paid attention to fantasy circles of Paul Goldschmidt, he's been unreal, absolutely unreal. I have him on one of my fantasy teams, and he's just absolutely crushing it. you got to expect him to come back to the pack. But I expect bigger things from a lot of other Cardinals that just are not performing well. Adam Wainwright has been fantastic. Any Wainwright start, I'm br- pretty much jumping on. How are the Pittsburgh Pirates in third place? Well, they're, they're, they're getting it done with smoke and mirrors because their run differential is minus 77. Just to put that in perspective— the Pittsburgh Pirates are in third place, 22 and 27 when I record when I'm recording this. Eight and a half games back. Seems like they're kind of in this thing, right? Their run differential is minus 77. To put it, that into perspective, the Baltimore Orioles run differential minus 36. The Detroit Tigers run differential minus 48. The Oakland A's run differential minus 47. The Nationals are minus 76. Remember, the Pirates are minus 77. The Rockies are in dead last place, minus 49. The Pittsburgh Pirates have the worst run differential in Major League Baseball, tied with Kansas City, who has 16 wins, yet Pittsburgh has 22 wins on the year. What does that tell you? As a sports better, that tells you a Pittsburgh fall and crash is coming very, very soon. Chicago Cubs, eight games under 500. You could say, hey, their run differential is only minus six. They're playing closer to a 500 team. But it's difficult to find spots that people aren't overpricing the Cubs. And then the Reds, 17-32. and 32. They've turned it around from their early season struggles. They're never going to be a team I'm going to recommend betting on or against because the prices are going to be ridiculous. The Dodgers are in first place. You can never get value on the Dodgers. That doesn't mean you can't go out there and take them. But, uh, for example, Walker Buehler didn't look good this week, but he was still minus 320. How do you take that? The Padres are hanging right in there. They're real close. They are a, another position where you have to kind of bet on on the banking, on the pitchers. San Francisco doing it again. Take away Buster Posey, doesn't matter. Take away uh, Kevin Gaussman, doesn't matter. San Francisco just keeps going out there and somehow winning games. Even their top prospect, uh, their new catcher, just doesn't seem to kind of have it right now. Doesn't matter. San Francisco goes out there, just keeps winning games. They go out there, they get free agents who crank it over into McCovey Cove. They just continuously win games. Then you talk about Arizona and Colorado. I thought they'd be two of the worst teams in the league, but I did think Arizona would be um, closer to 500 than they were last year. They had a miserable year last year. Both of them are playing effectively well. Arizona has a lot of youngsters that they can call on to kind of help out here during the stretch run. They can call on quite a few guys that maybe they give them a push. One of them, Seth Beer, remember on opening day, he was kind of the hero. So Arizona can keep together maybe a chase for 500. I wouldn't be betting against them. I do think the the fall for Colorado is going to come. While the Colorado Rockies, you know, a stadium is always, oh, well, you know what? It, it, it's a hitter's park. Yes, it is a hitter's park, but you need those hitters to kind of hit in that park. When the weather starts to get warmer here, by the way, we had a snow out last week in Colorado. So when the weather starts to get warmer in Colorado, I expect other teams to take advantage of that short Colorado streamline home run derby type of atmosphere and the Rockies are not going to be able to do that because they just don't have those players on the team their team is not built for big bashing and their pitchers are going to kind of get frustrated so I'd be betting against Colorado to me the number one aspect that I look at when I'm looking at Major League Baseball right now the number one 
team. You could say, okay, yeah, I think there's some value in Baltimore, Kansas City. Sure, I think you can bet against the Cleveland Guardians here um, coming down the pipe. I think we're going to be able to bet against the Mets in about a week or two. Yeah, there's going to be overvalued there. Uh, betting against Colorado Shore. But the number one team is the Pittsburgh Pirates. This is not a 22-27 and 27 team. This is not a team that should be battling for 500. Their run differential is atrocious. Their starting pitching is not much better. Uh, their hitting is mediocre would be giving them a really big award, okay? I don't think they're mediocre. I think they're bad. This is a bad team in a division that should start beating up on it. I can't explain Pittsburgh. What I can tell you is that I will be betting against Pittsburgh. All right, guys, enjoy the NBA Finals. We may be, next time we talk, we may be talking about a crowned champion. And enjoy the NHL. Next time we talk, we're going to be talking about who's going on and moving on in the playoffs for the Stanley Cup Finals. I'm Tom Barton for Wagering Week. We'll be back, and you can bet on that. This has been a presentation of the Sports Garden Network. To be part of the show, call 1-855-4-GARTEN. That's 1-855-442-7386. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter at Sports Garden. That's G-A-R-T-E-N. Get all your credible sports intelligence 24 hours a day by visiting us at sportsgarden.com. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.